So, hey, Bastians, it's Alexa here for the Bass Podcast, and I'm so excited to be joined today by the vocal coaching, voice whispering founder of The Sing Space, Rachel Lines. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are things going for you? Uh, hello, Alexa. And hello, everybody. Things are going really good, thank you. I'm having a I'm having a lovely time um, doing a lot of a lot of voicey stuff at the moment. Yes, absolutely. And in particular, I've been following your um, recent streamed live warm ups that you've been doing on socials, um, and it's been really interesting to see how you've kind of put all that together. And I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about how you accumulated that series of exercises based on what you describe as the six fundamentals of singing yeah. so how did that come about and and why those six things what kind of makes that important for a singer okay so i'm i'm gonna go for the long answer but at any point just feel free to say i've had enough now stop talking <laughs> <laughs> and i'll give you a short um so i think the six there's there's there were there were there's two answers really here um but the six fundamentals evolved about three years ago. Um, I'd spent about 10 years working in the West End as a performer and another 10 as a vocal coach. And something struck me, which was that there was a lot of confusion in our territory and a lot of ambiguity and a lot of misconceptions. Um, and I wanted some, some certainty. I wanted some certainty to give my students. And I wanted some certainty that I could use when I was diagnosing what was going on so that, you know, everyone got the best value for money and we got to the place as quickly as we could, but also so that the singer could gain this autonomy and feel more secure in their voice. Um, and so I looked around at this territory and, and it is a super ambiguous territory singing. Um, for a starting point, um, as you know, we have such little sensory feedback so much such little sensory feedback it's a little bit like trying to drive a car but instead of being able to feel the steering wheel on the palms of your hands you can only gauge your steering from from seeing the car in relation to the road so you can see how it's moving but you can't actually feel the steering wheel um or it's like if you were using your gear stick but instead of being able to again feel that on your hand you can only feel it in the motion of your body or the shifting and the noise of the engine. Uh, and, and I, you know, this, I might use the car analogy a bit. Um, but again, even the pedals, you know, you, you, if you can't feel them, but you can feel the, 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 the acceleration of the engine. And it's a little bit like that with singing is that the, lots of the things that we use the most, like our vocal folds and our diaphragm, you know, pretty, pretty important parts of our, our, our singing uh, apparatus um, have such little sensory feedback. So we also get kind of often re referred proprioception as well. So where we think what we think is happening isn't happening. And then we add into this whole confusing territory, um, this minefield or Chinese whispers of terminology um, from the, you know, the suggestions, helpful suggestions that become um, interpreted as empirical facts. So by which I mean, we kind of grew up, you know, probably a lot of people telling us to sing from our belly, which isn't necessarily wrong. You know, we will feel that beautiful connection 
with our body if everything is balanced and we've got good vocal fold closure and a balance of kind of subglottal pressure and acoustic um, back pressure. But if we can also sing from our belly can be interpreted as, you know, pumpy, pumpy from the belly or breathing in, pushing out. Um, and then taking that to more advanced terminology, we get confused by things like tilt, you know, belt. Is it a noun? Is it an adjective? You know, even saying this stuff, you're like, whoa, I'm just now getting dizzy. It's like looking at the night sky and going, how much is up there? How am I going to begin? And um, personally, for me, I'm an overthinker. I think if you're not an overthinker, um, just sing. <laughs> you're fine. If it's working, it's working. <laughs> don't, don't come to me for a lesson. You know, I'll just, uh, just applaud you for doing what you're doing. Um, but I'd also gone through nodules. And when you go through nodules as a performer, performing you know big theatres every night and struggling with that you become more of an overthinker so so that was my starting point so I wanted some certainty and so my I needed some structure basically then so that we could then go as far as we wanted into this wonderful world so I wanted to ask okay what actually has to happen to sing really really what has to happen that is an indisputable fact something that um, we can start with like a tip of this big iceberg and it was really hard to find. I mean, I started, I started kind of asking my students, I was running a choir with a hundred, um, musical theater professionals kind of playing around with these facts and seeing how easily they could still be misconstrued and how important language is in singing because of the territory that you know we just talked about and so over three years I went on a process which was probably as one of the most useful things I've done I don't think I would have got past the point I was at as a vocal coach if I hadn't gone on this process of asking what has to happen in order for optimum vocal production what are the simple indisputable truths and when I had found them or where they are at the moment and I would say it's a methodology in progress and will be in progress forever because I want people to challenge it um I I started finding exercises that organically made that thing happen so people could feel it because in the end if you can't feel it what use is it to you um so I think so that I don't so that I think I can put something practical this um we'll start with the first one so the first thing that I could think of that I couldn't I couldn't argue with myself on and I did try um was the fact that singing is exhaling and again even now like right now like do you say if it's not but I, I you know I tried and I got my students to try singing um inhaling holding their breath <laughs> And it's really, really, it's really hard. Um, and yes, it's it's vague and or it's, you know, there's much more to it than that. But at least it gives us a starting point. It gives us something that we've pegged into the ground, you know, and then we have that certainty that we can then fly almost anywhere if we come back to that. So singing is exhaling was the first one. And so then I started creating exercises, not creating them because they're already out there. We find it looking at the exercises that would organically make that happen that you didn't have to do because I'm, I'm a firm believer that singing isn't about doing, it's about guiding and feeling. Um, and so um, there are lots of things that make the exhale happen in, 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 in um, harmony with the, with the vocal fold closure, like a lip trill. You can't lip trill without, without exhaling. You know, 
you can try, but it doesn't happen. Uh, a puffy cheek, you know, blowing out and then vocalizing. You can't do that without exhaling because your cheeks would deflate. Fricatives, uh, most, you know, air bubbles, blowing bubbles. Um, and so we basically started writing a list of things that would make that happen. Um, again, just so that we had something I'd planted as some certainty, uh, you know, uh, one one wall to my, my, my singing kind of vocal coaching and performer building of structure of stability. Um, and then, um, so the second one that I came up with, I won't go through them all right now, but just so that this makes sense as a concept, um, was an awareness of resonance. It felt to me kind of like without an awareness of the physical feeling of the tangible feeling of sound in your body, we we won't get past the, the we won't really get past that kind of starting line. It's almost like it's the sense that is, it's a crucial sense. It felt like road sense. It felt like trying to drive without understanding you know, the, the world around you. Um, so again, with, with that feeling of resonance, um, and again, tip of the iceberg, we can go into acoustics, we can go into kind of Ken Bozeman's work and, you know, really complex kind of vowel play and, and back pressure. Or you can just think about feeling some rumbles in your sternum or, you know, the sound in the mask. And then it gets onto all exciting topics like, you know, difference between nasality and nasal resonance, but we get back to awareness of resonance as a fundamental. So I wrote a list of things for that one as well. Um, and then started to notice which ones, and did this with all the other six as well, which ones, which exercises organically um, engaged those all six so that you could do them and know that you were putting your body into balance. So, for example, the one, you know, starting off with the exhale and an awareness of resonance, a puffy cheek is absolutely um, a brilliant one to engage those two fundamentals or you know as I've been kind of again methodology and progress calling them so when you're doing your puffy cheek yeah you've got your lips I mean your cheeks um, puffed out so you can see you're exhaling and feel it um, but you've also because you've created that closure or that semi-occlusion um, you've created this back pressure of, of, of sound waves essentially so you have a very heightened awareness of resonance so it just gives you much more of an ability to, to feel something that you might un otherwise not have felt um, so so that's how it that's how it began and I think you know I I started creating warm-ups based on exercises that would organically um, create these responses i think one of the ones that does it the best um one of my favorite ones is is the one that i don't like to do in public um <laughs> it's gonna be videoed this one. <laughs> no one wants to do this one it's the literal with your tongue out um because if you're going if you're going you are i would say engaging pretty much so all of my six fundamentals which again i don't know if we've got time to go into but if i but they are they are they are all there. I mean, do you want me to go through the different parts that are lip trill with your tongue out? Uh, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. If you are listening, then you can do this at home. So, um, yeah, so these fundamentals, these are my little temp pegs that we've got on the, the building, just basically as a control freak to have something to hold on to so that we can fly wherever we want to. And, and, and we have to also establish that 
when I say fly, I mean musicality and emotion and I mean personal kind of mindset and anxiety. There's so much, there's so much complexity to singing. We do need, I really do feel we need to have something to put our feet on. Um, so, um, a literal with your tongue out. Um, you can't do it. So this is the thing, is it fun to, you can't do it without exhaling. I mean, you can try, it stops. So we, we've got the breath going. Um, and if you go to kind of phase two of the exhale, you'll feel your body responding. You'll feel a connection, that whole singing from your belly, as we were told in primary school. You can't do it without feeling some sort of response. Um, I mean, even if you, you know, whack your alignment out or do all the wrong things, it still puts things naturally in a good place. Um, again, we've got the closure, so you're going to have a nice awareness of resonance. So as you do it, even from bottom notes, you've got a nice uh it's such a beautiful <laughs> he looks like such an ugly face isn't it when you do it i do this in the medical gym which we'll talk about in a bit but <laughs> i always need to apologize um but you get this wonderful back pressure so you really feel that buzz you know externally and internally it's just such a beautiful exercise um uh, my third fundamental kind of whizzing super whizzing through them um is jaw release i just there's so many muscles that are attached to your jaw i think we've got um stephen i know you're talking to stephen king um he will you know he's the anatomy guy but my understanding is it's it's i mean it's multiple because the whole body's connected right so I think it's about six directly pulling the larynx up and three down, but that, and don't quote me on that one. But I, I think pretty much every muscle in your body is connected to everything. And the jaw, absolutely. It's like trying to play a violin with someone pulling on your elbow. You know, every time you try to use the bow, the jaw is just so connected by muscles to your larynx. So the jaw release. Now you can't get a tight jaw when you've got your tongue sticking out because your tongue's sticking out. So you can't kind of grip your jaw hinge it's almost impossible without biting your own tongue off so it's like yes this is you know it's quite quite an exhilarating process going yes it's hit that fundamental like is it gonna put everything in the right position um and then the final three um which i'll whiz through um were an awareness of tongue and i had to change that to an awareness of tongue because the more i go into looking at the tongue the more i think it's awareness we need it started off with a free tongue that tongue root tension but it's not that the tongue's so yes it's good to have a you know a nice free tongue root but actually the tongue is this incredible uh resource for singing as you know for changing acoustics um, changing tone, tonally even pulling it back, pulling it forward, you know, creating back pressure, lifting it up um, on consonants. Again, you, you know, the percussiveness of consonants, it even, it's even good for releasing jaw tension because if you get that, you know, it working as an articulator, you can release your jaw. Anyway, so the tongue's sticking out, so we get a nice awareness of tongue. <clears throat> we don't really get it acoustically, perhaps. You probably do a little bit because if you just lip trill, and then you stick your tongue out, the tone actually drops. So we do hear a change in tone. So again, I mean, I'm getting super geeky on this tongue out lip trill here, but I think we've probably hitting the tongue. Uh, the fifth fundamental uh, is, um, uh, again, it, it methodology, methodology in progress, but I would say is um, awareness of, again, it's an awareness of or slash a free larynx because... Um, we have such a lot of habitual setup with our larynx and I think to understand how much impact it has and to let the efficiency um, exist without being a nuisance. 
Um, I think a lot of the problems vocally happen when we try to interfere with our larynx. Like, I think a lot of register breaks happen when we try to force things. So I think um, with the tongue out, you've got this incredibly free larynx because um, of the um, equilibrium of pressures. So because you've created the closure with your tongue, with your lips, you've got the subglottal pressure beneath the glottis, but you've also created this lovely back pressure. So the larynx is, is kind of suspended, almost cushioned between the pressures. Um, and then it hits the sixth fundamental, um, which is an awareness of, again, um, awareness of your vocal folds, um, which is a very difficult thing because they have, again, such little sensory feedback, as you know. Um, but what you'll notice on this exercise is that you almost, it's almost impossible um, to get your vocal folds wrong, by which I mean, uh, you won't, it's very hard to have a register break. So you know you've got that kind of TACT balance going on. You know that everything's working and they're aligned. Um, you've got a clarity of tone all the way up. Um, even if you add in as much weight as you can at the bottom, which would usually give you that break, you know, even if you really engage the kind of as much weight and go for a real kind of you still go, wow, I don't have a register break. So you proved yourself. You can go, you can, you know, train train yourself to have be in balance. So so yeah, I think hopefully that hopefully that makes sense. So exercises like that, tongue out lip trill, you could do them without thinking. You could do them which kind of moves on to next this is the point of this this vocal gym is that you come and you do these kind of exercises. You can just do them and you'll get better because you're you're training your body to do these things that we've just talked about. You can do them on scales, slides, arpeggios, you can do them on your song. Um, and just by doing them, we do the practice, we go to the gym, um, hence the name of the vocal gym, which we, again, I'd love to talk about in a moment. Um, but you just do it. And then so when you sing, you can, the aim is then when you sing, you can give over to the music and the story. And you don't have to think about your back pressure or your larynx position or your tilt or your CT or your TA or any of that stuff that is not helpful for a musician and an artist. Um, so, yeah, so so this started off as a warm-up. Um, my choir weren't doing it. I kept saying every week, I've made you a tape. I've made you a tape. I'm like, yeah, this is showing my age. I've made you a cassette tape. <laughs> I've made you a, actually made a YouTube video. I made a YouTube video of some exercises and I sent them, um, I sent it to everybody. We had a WhatsApp choir group and I'd say, have you been doing it? And everyone would be saying, oh no, I haven't got around to it yet. Do it. You want to be the best singer you can be. Just try it. Like just try experimenting and just try it every week. You go to the gym. I know that like all these, I know a lot of these performers, they're going to the gym. They are doing that. They're going running. Do your singing exercises. But there's this culture of not, it's boring to warm up or you just do it just before an audition. Um, so lockdown happens. Choir's cancelled, hand everyone their money back, go back home to Wiltshire, carry my piano over the Thames, get to Paddington, go home. And the first thing I did is I thought, look, I don't want to, I just want to stay in touch with my, my community. So I got on this little Facebook group um, with 200 members and said, hey, I'm going to do a free warm up every morning through lockdown. I thought it was going to be about two weeks probably, um, and started doing the, the six fundamentals warm up 
Um, I wrote uh, like a, a, a kind of a blog on it and gave people a workshop worksheet to follow. Started doing this warm up and um, it was scary, really scary and sweaty and terrifying doing a Facebook live. Um, but people showed up um, to a really, really showed up and got their friends coming. Um, and more and more people showed up and um some days we were getting eight and a half thousand views by the end of the day um and it got picked up by groups like hustle um so that they've got you know fifty thousand members and they were doing i was double streaming live to there um so so i finally got to to almost crack my whip and make people do their singing warm-up and it was joyous and i felt better mentally vocally and physically for it and I think other people did because they kept coming back mm. you know and that's that's I finally I think we realized that it felt really nice to vocalize and these exercises feel enjoyable and so I did it for free for six months and um I've got four kids under seven and had to pay the bills so I yeah. then <laughs> launched it as an official thing I trademarked um the vocal gym yeah and still run it every morning but now we have guest coaches running it who do some fabulous extra things we have yoga for singers every thursday um we have sovt wednesdays where we just blow bubbles um and we have guest coaches in once a week and then i do my i have six fundamentals warm up but we have a subtopic every day so it could be something a little bit fancy or complicated like audiation you know hearing sound in your own head we might do that but with our regular structure and it's just i i love it i love it every morning i don't feel quite human now until i've done my done my half hour of vocalizing i just i feel great for it um and i can feel the difference um so so i yeah there's my very long story <laughs> is so it's so interesting and when I came across it I think it was really helpful to have that worksheet to kind of read along with it and to um to kind of really delve into these areas of awareness of of the voice and I can't remember what the model is called but you know that that model of actually if we put our sensation into a figure and it's that little gremlin man who's really frightening have you seen it no. I what it's called but um, I'll send it to you but it's this really freaky looking model and the lips are really big and the hat and the 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 torso is really small <laughs> i can't remember what it's called but it's frightening but it totally personifies our sensation bases mm. um and it's really interesting to to kind of think about that as a singer and how we react to that so how much of the science do you think is important for a singer to know um i think we're all very different for me it 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 gave me the science gave me context because there's because of the ambiguity and because of the the science provided a kind of it, it, clarity to the view and at least some finites and you sometimes need some things that are just you know fact-based um and actually so i've learned more science in the past 
vocal science in the past 18 months than in the rest of my life because as well as the vocal gym the sing space membership brings in a lot of um experts in the kind of vocal science world from people like you know from lynn lynn hilton of course because i'm here um to um to people like heidi moss and offering the neuroscience and kenneth bozeman looking at the kind of physics of sound waves stephen king looking at anatomy i think that is i think it's really important i think we want to be able to see as much of the world as we can it's like going for a walk and being able to really see properly um it's like starting off as a baby and everything's just a bombardment of sensory overload and i think that's what it is at the beginning as a singer there's sensory overload and the science can clarify some of that so we feel a buzz but it's really nice to actually understand it that the, the sound waves say so we feel a buzz around our eyes it's really nice to understand that it's not actually it's not actually necessarily being made inside the the nasal cavities, but maybe it's it's a you know a, 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 you know it's the, the feeling of vibrations moving through the hard palate, maybe sympathetically moving around. That's really useful um, knowledge. Or else, how do you trust something when it's just an ambiguous sensation? Mm. Um, so I think it's really useful. Uh, and wondrous as well. Definitely. It's very much like learning a language, isn't it? It's just interpreting sensations. And it's I've always find it so strange how we walk around in our in this vessel, but we don't really have that much idea of actually how it feels and what's going on until we really fine tune and, and delve into those things. Um, and when I first had a scope afterwards, I just cried because I was like, oh my gosh, I actually saw the things. <laughs> People yeah. like, that's really pathetic. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> The reason that we've been able to scope people because you know and that's really transformed vocal science but it also shows how much there is to learn it's such a new science really um and i think you're right and i think the thing is there's no other there's no other uh, physical act that is so connected to who we are and that and that is a thing that even the you know the neuroscientists neuroscientists don't know the brain uh the self you know the you-ness your that is all connected to your singing uh, there's probably no part of you brain or body that is not slightly impacting your singing voice i mean even from your big toe if you clench your big toe you can feel it that clench go through the your foot your ankle i feel it at my knee now i'm just trying this i can probably feel it in that kind of hips um, also, probably the act of clenching your big toe is creating slightly more of a panicky feeling, maybe shifting your nervous system a little bit, which will be sending different signals to different parts of your um, your voice. You know, uh, you know, our our voice is, is innervated by the vagus nerve, which is you know this kind of one of the the the, the big players in our parasympathetic state. So you know we sing better when we feel safer, which is just my way of kind of, I know it's kind of going off and on, going off on one, but just saying how big the topic is and why I needed to create something that was super indisputable, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I love, I love that tongue raspberry, the lip trill with your tongue out. Um, it's one of my go-tos when I'm kind of driving and on the way to the studio, although you have to be careful with that because if you're overtaking and someone sees you blowing raspberries, they're like, What's that bitch doing? <laughs> and then you're going past and you're like, no, mouthing. I'm just doing my vocal warm up. <laughs> it's happened to me a few times. 
<laughs> and then you get the beep and you're like, oh, you know, do your thing. <laughs> what do you feel if you were driving and someone blew a raspberry at you? <laughs> it's one of those considerations you have to make. <laughs> it's worth it. I mean, that's the thing is I think maybe that's all, it's such a good exercise that we could just forget about the rest of it. I wonder if there would be some sort of test that if you just lip raspberry with your tongue out for um, half an hour a day, for three weeks on that song that you're struggling with, just sung it through, you know, five times a day. Um, I bet when you went to sing, it would sound a hell of a lot better, but it almost feels like it's too easy. Sometimes we want to make, we want to make our life difficult for ourselves and we feel like we need to get more complicated. Yeah. I think that exercise pretty much nails it. Yeah, absolutely. I love that one. I love that one. And uh, speaking of your your choirs, uh, your your people's in your choir, not quite getting on to doing it um, so much. Um, mm. And you setting up your vocal gym to have a space for people to come and do their practice. Um, why? Why do you think practice is one of those things that people and I would include myself in this in the past and even now sometimes, um, just not quite getting onto it. I mean, students will come in, you'll be like, how'd you get on this week? And you kind of see the blood drain from their face. Like um, some of them will say, you know, I didn't quite get onto it, but the others you'll see the story just going around in the head. Like, oh, my larynx fell out my nose and the dog ate it. And you're like, cool. And they just come up with these, you know, wild excuses or reasons why they haven't got onto onto it. So why do you think that practice does suffer? Um, it's a really good one, isn't it? The question that one, because I, I mean, why do I not go running anymore when I know I love it and I just need to get my ass in gear? Um, like procrastination um, is big. I think sometimes when something means a lot to someone, it makes them less inclined to do it i don't know why um yeah because if you if you you know if you just put it in a, a sensical way uh this is your career you're going to get better if you practice why the hell wouldn't you practice just get on it right but then i've been there and then maybe you've got flatmates um maybe you you know you're busy maybe you don't know how to practice um so i think knowing how to practice i when i was performing i used to be i actually did practice because i was quite obsessive as a performer hence why i'm probably better as a vocal coach um but i used to warm up before the show before our group warm-ups you know you have the md and warm up on stage but i would go and do it but i don't th i think it was it's about knowing how i think scales again can feel a little bit like a bit kind of ambiguous again now why am i making these sounds and you have to know why when you're sticking your tongue out and you're making a silly sound and you're dribbling everywhere like what is actually happening because when you understand what is happening then there's a reason to do it when you understand that you are training your vocal folds to stay aligned all the way through your range so that they don't you know that, that you can balance them and you won't you'll get rid of your register breaks hopefully there's a reason to do it because you you understand it when you're just sticking your tongue out i think everyone needs a reason think about kids learning to to read my son only did it when he found books that he has trained you of dragon books that he liked to read so we need the reason to do it um and i think the vocal gym gives us a reason because i i explain everything as we go so when there's i'm pretty much create a kind of a, a gentle narrative through every exercise so that you have something to think about 
Um, and I think it's also accountability. So it's quite a lot of people who are coming now and you know the same people are there. So people are saying hi to each other, obviously online. But I think it's that accountability that is 10.30, Monday to Friday, you know, show up, we're here. Do your thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I understand it totally. I understand why people don't practice. I really do. I really, really do. There's so much that I know I should be doing. Sometimes the guilt just makes it, you do it less. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's something on a deeper level sometimes, as you say, you know you should, but maybe it's that fear of success even. If I do this, does that mean I've got to go and go and do that audition then? Or the next stage is to go and find that agent. And I think that is daunting. Um, and I think it's great for the whole idea of reasoning. What is it that you're wanting to achieve? And also setting yourself up um, in that mind space. Um, I liked how you were doing a lot of that mind, um, mindset stuff at the beginning of your warm-ups as well. Yeah, and we should talk about that because I think it's really important. The first 10 minutes is actually just body scanning and mindfulness. Um, and um, I think that's really crucial for singers. I think you, if you just jump into the exercises, you're not going to have that awareness and proprioception. We need to kind of switch off. You have a finite amount of brain resources. So if you're still th- thinking about what you did or before or about to do, you don't have the resources to really feel what's happening in your body. So we need to play some games, which are, which are you know, a mixture of body scanning and mindfulness and breathing and um, rhythm, which is really good for switching off that logical kind of frontal part of your brain. So we do. So that's a really, really important bit. But I think, as you say, um, it's really important for us to do. We have 24 hours in the day and to take half an hour to breathe. Forget singing, to, to breathe in and to do long exhales. And to think about only yourself and not just yourself in a, in a cerebral way, but yourself in a feeling what you are feeling way. I think that's like everyone deserves to give themselves that time. Uh, maybe not every day, Monday to Friday, but it's there if you want it. But to, to check in a few times a week and just be in your own body. And singing is the most the easiest way to be mindful There's because it uses every single part of your brain, which no other activity activates. So you could meditate, but why not do it while singing as well? And you, you, then you've kind of multitasked. You've done your meditation, tick, which everyone knows is good for you. And you've done your vocal exercises, tick. You know, you might as well put them together. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also about when do we ever see performers or artists that we really idolize in the practice room making the mistake or um, Mm. doing something that the student fears, like cracking or going flat or any of those things which they make them freak out a little bit. How helpful would that be to see one of the West End performers doing that in their singing lessons or um, somebody who does do that sometimes is Natalie Weiss. I've seen her on her YouTube channel showing the mistakes. Yeah, yeah. It's a really great point. Really, really great point. And I, I, I've done some tutorial videos of that as well. I did one on She Used To Be Mine. Just saying, this isn't how to sing it. This is some tips for it, but I'm going to crack and then I'm going to work out why I cracked and how to approach that. And it's going to sound shit at times, but I'm going to do it again 
again and hopefully make it sound better. Um, and I think that's exactly it. Is the that it's a really important thing to 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 note is that we lose the pleasure in vocalizing when it's about getting a job and hitting a note. So instead of it feeling really nice, we start to try and get it to feel right. So if you were to rehearse a song now for an audition tomorrow, your probably your primary goal would be to make it sound as good as it can. Whereas if you're coming every day to the vocal gym, your primary goal is to enjoy vocalizing and to have a place to make mistakes. So to try and find the full kind of spectrum of your capacity as a singer. So we will go into like full, as twangy as you can go, just to try and find that sensation. Or we will use the dopiest, sobbiest tilt or the lowest larynx or the most tongue retraction. So we can really play. And I think there's, there's no one's bothered about get, making a nice sound. It's about exploring your vocalization. Um, and so we're starting to approach singing in a different way. Mm. Yeah. And and with the vocal gym, um, who is that kind of directed at? Is it all ages? Um, so I would say it's probably um, professionals and um, dedicated amateurs. Um, I always don't like using the word amateur. I don't know why it seems like it's it's derogatory, but I don't. I just mean non non professional singers who really want to get on top of their voices. So. Um, you know, I am quite geeky and I do talk quite a lot about that side of things and the the guest coaches tend to as well. Um, so it tends to be people who are really serious, like who may, we've got quite a lot of beginner singers who've gone, instead of having singing lessons or they've come for a singing lesson with me and I've said to them, do you know what? It's much cheaper to come to my vocal gym. You can have one, you know, an hour with me or you get like four months worth of daily workouts in the vocal gym and they come and they have this safe space at home so no one can hear you to explore their voice and to learn about it and then come some one-to-ones but it's a lot of professionals but I think um going back to the point you made about making mistakes we what I have noticed is though we do have a few what are called kind of elite professionals like West End stars and recording artists and I know who they are who do come and they do come regularly we have less of be very very successful because i do think that there is a there is a a an, a a some kind of um perception that once you get once you're working you don't need to work at it anymore which i whilst i do understand that if it's working don't mess with it if you're an olympic athlete and you were an elite professional you would still have a coach and you would still do your exercises to become as good as you could be but I do notice that that first year out of drama school, and I really, and I do feel quite strongly about this, and it does, it, it I do think things need to change. The, the grads from the really, the kind of elite drama schools come out and they don't feel like they want to pay to do coaching. Mm. They feel like they've done their training and they're ready, which is not the same in any other profession that is physical. You know, again, swimmers, ballerinas, even classical singers, opera singers train but musical theatre and pop singers tend to think oh once I'm working I don't need to go to my gym anymore I have my coach anymore um, and so I think that there needs to be a mind shift change on that one definitely and I wonder whether there's uh, that thing of not quite linking the two in terms of it's still a muscle um, and it is that physical vocal athlete um phrase gets used quite a lot and if you think about 
you know, any other, as you say, any other industry that is physical, you will continue your training. I mean, look at the footballers, um, they're in training all the time. And equally, in, in thinking about that as well, is it any wonder that people are frightened to show their mistakes when they're elite because of the reaction, even just what we got a couple of days ago with the football result you know they're at the top of their game and look at the absolute backlash they had for missing penalties well if you put that in the singing world if somebody an alphaba or whoever on a really hard track cracks yeah yeah we know that's you know that's fine but it's what does that what do, what is that psychological thing that goes out to other people who might not quite understand that um, yeah yeah, absolutely. They're absolutely. We need to change the language around and the dialogue around that because is an absolute chance that you will crack or lose your voice doing something that is as high impact as playing Elphaba. And that's okay. And you're, 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 you're still a brilliant performer and you still have your talent and you'll still be able to go out there another night and do it. But as you say, it's just like that time you just missed the goal, you know? And you're human and it's a muscle and i think it's because i think it's because one i think the dialogue in our industry is quite hard on performers and it's exposed i know performers who who have got to the kind of olivier award level and they they say the hardest thing is there's always someone with a camera phone they can't try something they can't try placing a note in a different way because there's always someone who's captured it and they feel like now someone's going to share that footage and they said they just wish they could go to those, even a little gig in a, they go and do a, a gig in a cabaret for a night as a guest spot. And they just want to have some fun. And they said they can't because everyone's got their camera phones and they're expecting things from them. And so they said they can't try anything. And then they said, well, I can't grow anymore. And that's the thing. It's not necessarily, even if you're the most incredible singer, it's not that you need to be a better singer, but maybe there's other styles that you haven't done. So maybe it's a case of, of going, am I using my authentic voice or the full capability of my potential? Or have I got into a habit? Like what happens if I played around with some like jazz this week or, you know, trying my riffing or trying to sing some opera? And I think that's something that we do more of as performers um, is exploring all the different styles, which will only bring, it's like going traveling. You can bring back a bit of what you've learned, come back home again, you know, still live where you want to live, but you've probably changed a bit from having traveled to Thailand for a you know, few weeks. So yeah, I think there's that. And I think that there's the dialogue needs to change. And I think we need to understand it. I think it's too, it's personal. Your singing voice is so connected to you. And even talking now, it's me, it's my voice, you know, it's me expressing my thoughts. Um, it's a very um, pre-planned thing, you know, especially speaking, it's responding very fast and in the moment, it's a very spontaneous thing and it's being triggered by all my feelings and all my brain, you know, the billions of neurons, it's so much you. So it's not just like kicking a ball in a goal. It's like kicking a ball in a goal from your heart and soul, <laughs> you know, it, which they are, and that, but there is the physical thing of kicking a ball in the goal, whereas it's literally responding to your nervous system, your voice. That's big. Mm. And also, you know, big. Mm. Yeah, I think with with that, and that's the pressure, isn't it, that, that performers feel and why they don't want to put it up on socials for people to judge. 
and yeah. say, hey, I cracked today at my singing lesson. Um, well, probably so did a lot of people. And actually, that's a good thing to crack because it's a coping mechanism for your, your voice. It doesn't actually define your ability. Um, it's just a, a mechanism that's happening in that moment. Um, but I think it would be, and that's, it's great that you did that. Uh, she used to be mine. I watched that. Um, it's on your Instagram as well, isn't it? That video, I believe. Yeah, I think it was, it was a YouTube video I did a couple of years ago. I uh, love that song. But yeah, it was really fun just to break it down with the freedom to fail. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing of um, going somewhere and having, knowing that mistakes are allowed to happen because that's from where we grow. I mean, as you say, with children, they will walk and fall and walk and fall until you get it. And you will record that till the day's end. Look, she's taking her first steps. Oh, isn't it cute that they fall? Yeah, get to singing and cracking and then i don't know why i keep coming back to cracking that's not that's not the only thing well fear isn't it because we you know what no you do you fear the the crack yeah uh, and yeah as you're right you fall over get back up again try it again learn from that your muscles learn the balance to keep you upright um yeah and but the falls have to happen absolutely to embrace them and that's what's great about your vocal gym is it really gives the people who are attending all of the opportunity for the awareness of themselves, the environment that is supportive to get it wrong and to explore all the stuff. Singing isn't always just about being beautiful. It's about making and using that instrument to all of its ability. Um, and I think that's it's, it's really an awesome thing. Go you! You know, we're doing a little fun thing at the moment, which is a 16 bar challenge. I don't know if you've seen that one out there, but we've basically sent some music every Monday morning for 16 bar cut by um, online MD, Lindsay, who does he does backing tracks and, and sheet music for people. She's created these awesome little cuts and, you know, cutting a three minute song into 16 bars is a skill. But um, over 12 weeks, everybody has to learn and record and upload a song. And what's been amazing is that it's out and most weeks will be out of your comfort zone. So we've got Puccini one week and we've got patter songs and comedy and we've got um, But what's really amazing is that everyone's doing it. We're getting, oh, it's been almost a hundred uploads in the first week. And what's even more amazing is that everyone is just applauding everyone else and going, you know, it's not about getting it right. It's just about getting your video in, having a go, putting it up there, trying a new style, you know, and it's just, it's a really beautiful thing to watch. So I think there's a new environment. I can feel things shifting. And I think that this past year has helped. I think people who, there are people who are connecting and coming together. There is a community that we can tap into. Um, in Vast as well, what you, know, what you and Lynn are doing um, is a completely wonderful thing and the generosity of knowledge as well. So, and you know, what people like Stephen King are doing as well. It's just, there's just, there are some amazing, amazing people out there at the moment yeah yeah well, thank you for that and um i will absolutely show everyone your vocal gym we'll put the links in um and 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 send them your way because it's 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 really great and i think that you're right it's, it's going to help shift that that dialogue and those those thoughts and just kind of change some perspective on it i think um yeah, I think we need to keep talking and yeah, keep practicing. <laughs> yes, your larynx hasn't fallen out of your nose. <laughs> the dog hasn't eaten it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
That's going to be my new favourite excuse for everything I do. <laughs> my larynx has fallen out of my nose. I can't do it today. <laughs> oh, Rachel, thank you so much for joining me. It's been so nice to chat to you and meet you. And I, I hope I get to chat to you again soon. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. So are you one of the many singers who want to teach others but just don't have the confidence to get started? Or are you already teaching and looking to upskill, fill some knowledge gaps or refresh? Well the BAST 20 hour course is here to help you build your confidence, knowledge and skills and you can find out more about the course and our next starting dates at our website bastbasttraining.com. On the BAST course we're going to help you understand functional anatomy of the instrument and how it applies to singing and we're going to help you learn how to assess and identify the tools that you need to help someone sing well and safely. We're going to even introduce you to a little bit of the science behind sound making so you can significantly improve a singer's voice and it will seem like magic. We're going to help you master the art of effective student-centered teaching and how to get into a business and how to get it up and running and much, much more. By the end of the course, you will understand your potential as a singing teacher far better and you'll feel confident to charge to teach people how to sing or increase your rates. You're also going to have a wonderful and supportive network of like-minded singing teachers to hang out with. So go to the podcast description for a link to the website where you can find out more about the course and what we offer and if you want to talk to someone in person feel free to book one of the free consultation calls so we can talk to you directly and answer any of your questions looking forward to seeing you somewhere in the BAST community